Deline Bray is reporting for duty, your source for fitness and food education with a noble purpose. Fasten your seatbelts and hold on to your carrots. You're listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. We are Avengers of Health. Welcome, Braze. I'm Ron Jones with Chad Snow again from Kansas City, Missouri, and we're back on the Lean Braze show. Uh, Chad, thanks so much for joining me again, and we're going to talk about real PE right now. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I was looking back at my archives, and we did our last show at 2016, so it's been a few years. So um, it would be good to come back around. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, I I wasn't actually teaching PE full-time, and I'm doing that now, as you know. So the, the point of us coming together for everyone listening is to spend some time talking about, you know, real PE right now in 2019. It's August. We're getting ready to go back into the 2019-2020 school year, and I never dreamed of my wildest dreams that I'd be teaching uh, kindergarten through sixth grade physical education. And here I am. <laughs> I, I am in the front lines, man, and in the trenches. Welcome, welcome aboard. Yeah, you know, it's. <laughs> I must say it can be pretty exciting at times and, and rather uh, terrifying at the same time, you know. So you still have you still have all your hair? Well, I've lost uh, quite a bit more of it, I would uh, <laughs> I would say, yeah. But, you know, we're we'll spend some time today just just uh free-forming and talking about, you know, what 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 is it like to work with kids today in physical education? We both have an interest uh in historical methods, but as we've talked about over the years, you know, everything has to tweak and adjust and change, I mean, or, or most everything. And even the things that I use that are very close to the original form had to be adjusted a little bit. And so right. uh, anyway, it it was really uh, interesting getting the job. Uh, and I found that, and you're going to be teaching kindergartens this year because you got a couple little changes you said before the show. My favorite group is the kindergartners. So what do you think about, you know, going in to work with them this fall? Yeah, and like we were talking about off uh, off tape, we I'm not sure if it's kindergarten. I think it's first grade. I'm going to be with first through first through twelfth. But uh, I've done kindergarten before. It's been a few years, so mm-hmm. I'm going to have to you know get myself a, uh, acclimated to that again. Yeah, that's it's a uh, wide range. First grade through twelfth. That's uh... yeah. Like I said too, I'm not sure how it's all going to work. Um, it's like this is going to be a new school, new alternative school. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as numbers go and all that, it's, and scheduling goes, because I'll be doing halftime there, and I'll also be doing halftime at the school I was at before, Crittenton Children's Center, right. and which is the, the residential school. So uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to look yet, but uh, I'm ready for it and no, excited for the change. You'll figure it out. And and for those that don't know or understand, you you. Uh, and will all of your work this fall be with high-risk youth, or was, is it going to be a mixed? Nope, it'll all be uh, high-risk youth. Yep, and the district I'm in is uh, Hickman Middle School District, which is in uh, southern Kansas City, so mm-hmm. um, lower income. and Yeah. There's a lot of challenges as far sure, as the sure. kids and of that course. kind of thing, but it's very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm in a traditional uh, school, but even within that— uh, as educators know, there are, there are a lot of challenges, and this year will be a Title One school, which is you know we've got a higher percentage of 
of socioeconomic challenge kids. Some of them are homeless. You know, some of them mm-hmm. are in uh, foster care. And man, you know, you talk about um, what children bring to school and how that manifests through movement or lack of movement. Um, studying Bonnie Pruden and talking to uh, her assistant, Eden Whitaker, who mentors me a bit, um, about the things you can learn posturally from a child in terms of what their background is at home is really interesting. You know, it's just um, the the withdrawn, the kyphotic or rounded posture, the the lack of confidence to, to move openly. Um, you know, if you're trained right. to look for those things, it, it can be pretty revealing and rather um, concerning, you know. But I— and That's— uh... Not to interrupt you. That's Go like, ahead. you know, the, the school I'm at, the schools I'm going to be at. Like we know that going in already. That I mean, these kids come with stuff that you know a lot of us have never dealt with or can't even imagine dealing with. So the the baggage they come with every morning, right? Um, it uh, it's something you always have to be be ready for. I mean, you can have your best, well planned um, attack that morning so i'm going to do a i'm going to do b and then i'm going to do c but then you have you know a group of kids coming in with whatever they had to deal with the night before or you know weeks before whatever it happens to be and that that, that can change things dramatic or uh, drastically just yeah. because of what they're dealing with so you have to be ready for that and be empathetic towards it too which is so mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a juggling yeah and as as we know from history you know one of the best ways to work your stuff out is is through movement um and sometimes that sometimes that's you know vigorous movement sometimes it's you know gentle movement and man just the gamut you know the uh, the technical expertise that i've had to draw upon to teach all this whole spectrum um i think is something worth mentioning and right you know there's such a a lack of physical literacy with children today in movement. They even my year round athletic children haven't been taught how to do a basic hip hinge or any kind of really fundamental movement as we would refer to in exercise science. So, right, you know, just and as you said, you can have this plan and great mechanics and a, a wonderful game and everything goes south. And you know, I've noticed like some of my kids are just so angry, you know, and you. They don't say anything. I remember one of my problem kids who really turned on to um, PE this year. We were going to the class. It was raining or something, and he wouldn't come in. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to go check on him, you know. And I go out there. I think he he's a sixth-grade kid. And uh, he said, Mr. Jones, I just, I just need some space. You know, and I could have been an, a hard-nosed guy and say, hey, we're all inside, but I, I kind of recognize he was being very authentic, and the space he needed at that moment was more important than the P.E. lesson that I had planned to give, you know, and he just... Man, you, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a, a day in the life of where I'm at. Yeah, you know, and rather than uh, force the issue, it's like, you know, he was being honest, and it's like, okay, that's cool, man. Well, when you're ready, come back inside, you know. Um, so just... You can't force the issue. I mean, you, you, you're, if you're going to try to force the issue, you're just going to be fighting a losing battle. Yeah, you know what's, in, kids, what's interesting. If you, oh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. Finish your thought. 
Well, I was just going to say, and this goes back, we touched on it in the, in the previous podcast we did with um, building relationships with the kids. Yeah. And that's, that's like the number one thing on my list as far as dealing with the kids and um, getting them to at least try to do new things or do things that are difficult or do things that they might not want to do is being able to build relationships with them so you can see those things like the kid that doesn't want to come inside right now because for whatever reason yeah or the kid that doesn't want to participate they have something going on and if you can just see those cues in their eyes or how they're you know slumping their shoulders or anything like that if you have relationships with the kids it's much easier to do that than it is to just try to be the drill sergeant that says no you have to do it because that's what we do yeah and uh you know, there's a side of me that's very, very formalized, you know, and it goes back into the military fitness that I've studied, which is which is worth teaching. And I I do some formalized calisthenics from the World War II era uh, through the Lost Sierra PE stuff. And, and also, you know, some of the drills they did for agility were awesome, you know, and I make it playful, but that's essentially where they came from. Right. But on the flip side of that, there's, there's the art of movement. Um, and the wartime fitness stuff didn't have much of that. So, and and, then everything in between, you know? So again, I get back to that, man, I'm with everything that I know, it's really challenging, um, to, to try to meet the, the needs of learners on my PE classes, uh, are about 90 students. I have, I have 50 kindergartners at one time, which is just mind boggling. If you think about it, like. 50 kindergartners walking across the school out to the field. I could tell you, man, I was terrified I was going to lose one, <laughs> you know. But the good thing is when I did lose one a couple of times, they were on the school somewhere, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all fenced that, in that, now, uh, you know. That reminds me of my days when I was teaching in uh, Las Vegas and in California when you know, the class sizes were huge, you know, 60, 70, 80 kids in a class. and Yeah. It's just you – and yeah, it's a it's a it's a different world, that's for sure. It can be done, but there's got to be some discipline. And this, I mean, I think you know one of the biggest challenges for me was the culture shift, going from what most kids experience in a PE class in America today is you know supervised play or some uh, you know some games that aren't very well organized and definitely not well taught in terms of the movements required to do the game or the activity or, or even the sport. And then uh-huh. actually teaching movement and also the why, you know, they hadn't been exposed to that. So um, right. I think a lot of them, it was interesting because, you know, some of the kids are more intellectual and they, they were starting to pick up on that. Okay, this isn't the just the throw the ball out thing, you know, Mr. Jones is doing. And I, I did my best to tap into the science for the science nerd kids, you know, and talk about physics or you know, something like mm-hmm. that, and also get into the musical side and the dance side so I have the art students interested. And then, you know, so much of what I teach out of the classical um, side is movement enhancing for the athletic child. And I found right. one of my most athletic boys at the end of the year, I brought out my portable pull-up bar because my school doesn't have a straight pull-up bar. They've got these wonky playground apparatus things that have these rings on them that spin at a weird right. camber. It's like, you know, who who was at the decision table that decided <laughs> to pull out the straight pull-up bars, which are so much easier to use and teach 
uh, children with, and then put up these rotating, you know, contraptions that, you know, a lot of the kids will never be able to master. But anyway, I brought out this pull-up bar, and he's super athletic, super quick. He couldn't do one pull-up. He was so angry. I said, well, I go, this is your homework for the summer. You know, he's kind of nodding. I mean, he's very determined. So I'm uh, completely 100% confident that next week he'll be able to do at least one pull-up when he comes back. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I mean, we uh, we didn't have any pull-up bars in, in the gym I was at either, but I've got a, uh, it's like a, a dip machine. Yeah. So it's like you can do dips on it or, you know, just a frozen dip. I call them where, you know, a kid can't do a dip. But I just have them hold themselves up there, hold their body weight up there, which is a challenge for a lot of them anyway. Oh, that's where they start. That's great. Yeah, but then instead of doing you know traditional pull-ups, we'll I'll have them sit on the ground and grab the dip bars, inverted, and then they'll do rows, an inverted row, which you know you're working the same muscles, and most of them can't do pull-ups anyway. So doing that inverted row, working your lats and your biceps, yeah. and still it gives them a gives them something to work on. Right. A lot of them couldn't even do those until, but we worked on it all the time. It was part of the, it was a green, so we called it the green machine. Yeah. Like every Thursday, we'd get that thing out and they'd test on it, and we would, you know, it was a, it was something that they started to look forward to doing. I was but again that goes. Yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised when I brought out the straight pull-up bar at the end of the year. How motivated the kids got intrinsically to go over and try it, and some of right. them even came back and recess, and they wanted to keep working at it, you know. And I was, you know. Just knowing the history of the straight bar and off the ground training and the the importance of upper body strength and and you know just as as well as I could not get overwhelmingly like aggressive with them at the beginning of the year because quite frankly they're most of them are pretty weak you know so right. but that they really wanted to do it and I thought man that is be bring the right piece of equipment in with the right setup. Um, and you don't have to do a lot of work to get them to do it. They just want to do it, you know. So that was. And you also you also have to have the right mindset from you or us as teachers too. Mm-hmm. If, you know, you go in there and say, "All right, here's the pull-up bar. Let's start doing pull-ups and start trying to knock these things out." It's intimidating to the kids. Oh yeah, they, they can't. A lot of them can't do them anyway. Right. So, like, if you just put it out there, but you know, even with the green machine that I use. There were some kids that were resistant to that. I can't do those. All right, well, you don't have to. Right. Then all of a sudden they started seeing other kids doing it and other, you know, kids that couldn't do it that well at least trying. And they're like, oh, I can I can actually try that. Yeah. And they would try it and they'd surprise themselves. Like, And there's ways to modify things, too. You can always modify. Yeah. I mean, I think the regression is the key. This is what I actually teach my kids as well. Because most of the time, even in corporate when I worked with adults, I had to make it easier, not harder. So I think mm-hmm. I've done a pretty good job changing the culture, meaning, you know, it's okay if you can't do it. I will find a level that you can be successful at. It, I'm not saying it will Amen. be easy for you, but, you know, like you were talking about the regress pulse, you know, uh, there, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a platform on our playground equipment that the kids can walk across, and I showed them how, you know, you can just put your fingers over that, kind of like laying underneath of a table and pull your chest up mm-hmm. to it. I mean, there, there are ways to use what you've got. And so I, exactly. I, I want to make sure that they feel like they don't 
have to be the strongest, fastest person in the class to be successful. And I told him this, I don't know how many times throughout the year. If you're the slowest person on the lap, but you've improved, you've been successful, and I'm proud of you. So you don't have Amen. to be in the front. You know, how much no. are you improving? Because a lot of you don't like running, and I get that. However, it's a survival skill. I'm big on teaching survival skills. So you might have yeah. to run, and I want you right. to know how to do it. You might have to pull yourself up, you know, over a fence or onto a tree or in an emergency or up out of a car that's rolled over. I mean, who knows, right? Right. So I do my best to make it easier, regress, and find alternatives and things. And I, I'm hoping that that decreases the anxiety for some of the kids. And I I think I was, you know, one of my one of my kids that is, he's not morbidly obese, but he's definitely overweight and just very um, disconnected to his body from a kinesthetic standpoint. At the end right. of the year, he came over as a little quiet moment. I'm standing by myself. And Mr. Jones, you know, I went to... Uh, you know, I'm going to the gym and running and things like that. I was really surprised. Like, he's actually, you know, working on it. You know, so I think I, I made a difference in that way more than I thought I had. And it didn't really come out until the end of the year. Um, yeah, some of those some of those success stories you don't really see. You don't, you don't see, like, in class necessarily all the time. You'll see it, you'll see it in brief, brief little moments when the kids, like, pull you aside to talk to you or right excuse me to give you an example like one of my students one of our students um and like i told you the last podcast too especially at the residential treatment uh, school that i teach at there's a lot of kids that come and go so they'll they'll be there for six months and then they leave Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of a lot of that going on so you, you know you have to be careful with how you push kids especially the new ones right and there was a kid that came in a little bit overweight. I mean, I'm, I guess I shouldn't even sugarcoat it. He was overweight. Yeah. And uh, very timid. Didn't want to do really anything. Uh, so I just I just slow played him and just said, "All right, well, when you're ready, let me know. I'm here for you." And uh, we do testing. Um, part of the part of our schedule is I'll I'll test them like on Thursdays. We'll do individual testing, mm-hmm. and I'll get the green machine out or we'll just do body weight planks or do it for time or whatever it happens to be just to, and that I don't even really do it for a score. I just give them something to like, okay, I did a minute last week. I'm going to try to do a minute and seconds this week. Yeah. Or I did three. Yeah. So it was that day and the, the students um, just refused, you know, I ain't effing doing that. No. You know, and sometimes they get, they get pretty upset and that's their kind of go-to move. Right, right. When they, they, they want to resist something, they the best way they know how is to, you know, be borderline aggressive, pump their chest out, and act yeah. tough about it. And I'm like, all right, well, don't you don't have to do it. I'm not telling you you have to. Yeah. Well, at the end of the period, we had about, you know, 15 minutes left, and he came up to me privately, and he's like, hey, coach, is it all right if I do those, but can I do them when no one's watching? like of course you can so i pulled the green machine into a side room mm-hmm. and he did everything and i mean again he wasn't like perfect at anything sure sure but he put he put in the effort but it was that little bit of if i would have pushed him and said no you have to do this i would have lost him right from the jump he would have resisted and we would have butted heads but since i gave him that space and gave him 
ownership in his choices, he was able to do it. And then, you know, by the end of the school year, he was doing it in front of everybody, and mm. he opened up, and he was a risk taker, and he wasn't afraid to, like, try new things. And so those things are what, you know, keep me yeah always coming back. Let's talk about that a minute, because this, this is something I've noticed with my kids. Like, there's, and it might be tied to social media and this, this instantaneous sharing or what you're doing or not doing all the time. And I think it's just really frying people neurologically. You know, history oh, warned yeah. about that a hundred years ago, man. But like, yeah. I've had a lot of my kids like. I don't think they're participating well, and then they come up later and they tell me all the stuff they're doing at home. They won't do it yeah. much in front of everybody else, but at home, they're they're doing it alone, or maybe they're doing it with their families. So, and I I'm not sure why that is, and maybe it always has been that way. I don't know, but I know just having teenagers today, they can get so intimidated about what everyone's going to say. And I think that just goes along with being a young person, but I think it's, it's, it's really um, been accelerated through social media. The, the, the lack of a person's ability just to be themselves. And that's, that was like, even like, even to like, you know, piggyback on that, like with social media, it's, uh, you know, you go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever else they're using. Now I'm kind of getting loose in touch with it, but you know, when you're by yourself in your house and you're taking your selfie or you're doing your little Snapchat video, you can set yourself up to be your best self. You can put on your mask. Sure. You can you can create your environment where you're happy with it. And then you can share it to the world. Yeah. And the world can like it. But when you're in an environment that you don't control, like a school, let's say, and you're around peers. Right. And it's real time. Right now, you don't have time to, you know, put on your your uh, use mask as a you right. Know, yeah, you, you don't have time to make up your stage. Then that's scary. I mean, and that's that's even for adults too. I mean, sure, you don't want to you want to be your best self. And in today's society, everyone puts forward their best self, but a lot of times it's their fake self. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. that's starting to come out now, and in, in, in some of the the research on social media. Uh, one of the things I I just wasn't able to do very well, I mean, I made attempts, but I, I don't think culturally we're there yet. Maybe this year, I mean, actually this year, I, I, I really believe I can do some of it. But the the ability to get the kids to do what I call free movement, where they can take some movements that we've learned, just kind of create a medley. Um, I do that a lot with sticks and clubs and martial type movements, but you can also just use body weight and, um, uh-huh. you know, create your own dance, if you will, you know, just things like that. It's, you know, working so much with adult populations in corporate, I think my biggest challenge working with them was just letting, getting them to understand that it's okay to let go. It's that mental lock, man, that really yeah. blocks people from, moving well or moving in a way that can enable them to move well down the road i've i've learned this with my drumming i've been you know using drum circles with my kids as a way to teach them rhythm because i realized like when i first started it's like these kids don't have a sense of rhythm and i'm generalizing but there was a lot of issues with that and i've talked to other pe teachers and they they have agreed so you know they just i for whatever the reasons you know technology or whatever 
Um, so just getting people to let go. So when I started playing the formal drum set this summer, I found that the biggest barrier I had was my own anxiety about making a mistake, right. even if there was no one in the house. Like I'm in the yeah. house alone playing and I'm worried about, and I could just feel the tension of my body. So it, that my, my desire to learn drumming as a way to basically kind of try to stay up with my students as they get more into this, I've learned a lot about myself. Um, yeah, you got to let go when it comes to stuff like that, especially you know, whenever you're dealing with music or trying to learn any new skill. Right. Skill. Well, I use I go back to my nerdy Star Wars references. That's how Luke had to learn. Mm-hmm. Yoda. Mm-hmm. Yoda says, "Let go, Luke. Let go." <laughs> and that's what you have to do. It and is. It, it was funny when you brought up the music stuff and the rhythm and the dancing. That's one thing that it's. Uh, I'm at and the students I have, they they love music, and so I'm always, I, and that's something I've always had too. Even going back to day one when I started teaching, I always had music. Yeah, and I would always play music in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, lately, you know, since I've been teaching at this school and the kids know me and they we built relationships, they always know that I have music on. And as as relationships have been built and stuff, the kids. Hey, can I pick a song? Yeah, go ahead, pick a song. So I'll get my phone out and I'll put it on Spotify or YouTube, and I'll let them pick a song. And obviously, if need to delete or uh, edit some of it, or yeah, yeah, pick the clean version because I don't want to get myself in trouble. But sure, uh, sure. And they'll just start dancing. Well, that's that's I great. Like, I'm I kind of touched on that at the end of the year, but I wasn't quite at your level yet, you know. But we got I a just new. Let them go. Yeah, I just let them go. I was like, all right, so. But then it, it morphed into something more, especially with a couple classes where they started to organize. Like they they didn't really knew, know they were doing it, but it became more of a all right. Well, why don't you incorporate these guys? And then they would form their own dance routine. And then a group of girls started doing it. The next thing you knew, everyone's doing it. They're asking turns. Hey, now it's my turn. It was it was something fun to watch because, like you said before, a lot of times kids get uh get scared to do that kind of thing in front of their peers but for a couple of my classes it was just like all on like dance usa going on in the gym which was cool that's cool because a a lot of uh, pe doesn't teach dance anymore i just inherited some uh dance education materials from a university that was calling out the old stuff and I'm I'm going uh-huh. through this from the you know like 1960s 70s and I'm yeah. I was just shocked at how how much dance was taught and and how multicultural it was and I was thinking you know our, our kids are really missing something because I'm old enough to remember them doing some dance in PE and of course I hated it at the time because it's very awkward but I started thinking about you know what you learn about social skills and touching another person's body and how to how to use body language and and also of course the the mechanics of coordination and using your feet and your hands and all that stuff but yeah, when yeah. i looked at the materials it was there were songs from yugoslavia and poland and peru and japan and china and russia and and iran and it's like there was this richness of multicultural awareness built into those songs because it would have been a teachable moment to discuss you know that country and how they dress of course is quite different at times and and we're not getting that now. So well, that that's 
touches base too with I mean you bring bring up the term culture and you know the different cultures that the different music and stuff like that and then <clears throat> excuse me, but so much of being able to reach kids is being culturally relevant to them. And what's relevant to them is and I'm not talking culture like, you know, the the Japanese culture or the Russian culture. I'm just talking about young kids culture whether it you know listening to hip-hop or or you know the, the way they dress or the video games they play that's also part of their culture right and so being able being able to be relevant on their level it opens them up and so if i would have said all right guys we're going to dance then i would have put on you know some vinyl richie dancing on the ceiling right and right said, all right guys we're going to dance they would have looked at me like i was crazy yeah yeah I gave them the choice, and they they chose what they wanted to listen to, the music they liked. It was culturally relevant, and they went at it. There was no there was no like, you know, going back and forth or we don't want to do this. It was just all natural. But it was because they had ownership, and it was culturally relevant to them. So, anytime you can tap into what's relevant to them, it's something that you need to do. Yeah, I, that, whether it's that's a valid point. I think you're much better at that than I am at this point. Um, I learned in corporate, though, this guy, when I first started, he said, culture always wins. And I found in the 15 years that I worked corporate dealing with all kinds of different people and, you know, body types and everything, that that was so true. You you could have the best programming on food and fitness and injury prevention and all this stuff, but if it's not culturally accepted, then, you know, it's just going to fall flat, even if it's mandated. So... Um, that's just one of those dance issues, like to dance around and, and play around and learn as oh, you yeah. go, for sure. Hey, people have asked me, um, especially this year, now that I'm working with uh, so many kids, what my PE classes look like. So I thought I'd just kind of share that a little bit. When I first started, I don't know about you, but I, I just noticed because of the lack of the, the formal training that PE used to have, they didn't know how to stand. And they didn't know how to uh-huh. walk. And I started getting back into my, my archives, and I thought, you know, the first thing I think I need to do is just teach them how to stand in a relaxed and neutral way that's not so out of balance. So I basically started with feet and developed a, kind of a little protocol for what I call finding your center. And it takes them through getting to know their feet and, and leaning around in different positions, and there's a certain way I do it. But it's it works into, you know, taking three nice breasts and then that kind of is a focus drill and then we're ready to do whatever it is we're going to do after that but I thought um, their lack of awareness for their feet was really uh, problematic because as an athlete or industrial employee or whatever it's it's really hard to move properly if you don't know where your feet are at you know then I was reading that ties, go ahead that ties into like just being grounded um, yeah you know, the, the whole mindfulness thing and you know, being mindfulness of your surroundings and your, and you know, they call it one of the things of being mindful is being grounded. Mm-hmm. That starts with your feet. Yeah. How do your feet? You know, and you, you can do like I do that with my kids too, and uh, and we do like sometimes we'll do like guided meditation. We'll do like just a body scan. Yeah. Like and just pay attention to how do your feet feel right now. Yeah. And work your way up all the way up to the top of your head, and sometimes we'll do it laying down on yoga mats and. Yeah, uh, but it, it translates to like everything. Like I was just when you were bringing that up, and I know you got the little kids, and I have the older kids, but 
you know, working on like any sort of, you know, physical activity or whether it's a sport or whether it's working out by yourself, it's balance. It is. Like you said, a lot of the kids, they just stand with their feet together and they're it's like, I could just walk up to them and tap them on the shoulder and they fall over because they don't have any balance and they don't, they weren't aware of that. So I'm like, yeah, spread your feet apart a little bit. Yeah. And your knees, put a little give in your knees. Yeah, if and then all of a sudden it connects with them, you know, depending absolutely. on what it is we're doing. But yeah, just simple little things like that that get lost. Well, if we go back to ancient Greece, half of their education system was based in the physical. So if we think in modern terms, think about half a school being PE, and their PE focus had had two primary objectives: it was balance and rhythm, and so. I start balance. You have to have balance before you can have good rhythm. So I, you know, started with balance, and then the rhythmic part of movement. That's where I brought in the the drum circles, um, because it it was music. It was a different way of teaching it, um, and it really threw them a curve. Like they had no idea where I was coming from. But they that was one of the <laughs> things they really dug. Like they're really into the drum circles. I mean, and the kindergartners, man, are hilarious. You know. It can get a little loud at times, and some of the aides, I think, got a little irritable once in a while. It's like, hey, man, you you got to start somewhere. You know, I'm not I'm not saying we're ready to go on the road show here, but you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never had a drum in your hand and you're five, you know, but there's a lot you can teach these kids with uh, percussion and rhythmic drumming because you know we start getting into the finesse part of it and and the volume part of it. If we're inside my class and it's rainy, like now we get into movement efficiency. So one of the ways to look at this, as I've been taught, is let's say you have a given task to do, and we'll just put a number on it, you know, for purposes of example, that's a five-ounce energy task. So learn to use five ounces. Don't use 3.5 and don't use 10. Use five. Uh-huh. That's a movement efficiency. So if we're inside, we don't need a lot of force. And, you know, movement is that way. How much force, how much energy, how much effort, however you want to term that, do you need for that particular task? Don't blow what you don't need to use because in history they called it energy reserve. The idea uh-huh. is to have some of that at the end of the day for other things you want to do. Or it could be a self-defense emergency situation. And that's where the quality of movement comes in. Because if you don't have good quality of movement when you're walking, you're drained at the end of the day just from working your butt off just to walk. You know, uh-huh. so that's kind of a historical way to look at it. But balance and rhythm is key if you want to be a physically literate society. It's it's just everything, you know, in terms Absolutely. of getting started. So, yeah, yeah the, the feet thing. And then uh, I did do, uh, I taught the La Sierra, a short version of the La Sierra uh, calisthenics, the strength endurance exercise routine. I didn't do as much with that this year as I had wanted to, but, you know, talking to people like you, it's like, Hey man, you got to be realistic. You know, <laughs> there's a oh, lot definitely. I want to I mean, do, I, but I'm not going to get there. You know? Yeah. I still, I, we still do it. I yeah. Mean, and it's, uh, it's not like we don't do it 100% mm-hmm. because just because of the fact that it, it is hard to do. I mean, if you're doing everything together and the five counts and the oh, yeah. eight counts and the push-ups, it's not, it's not something everyone could do. Right. But, you know, with modif- modification and, and uh, 
we're still doing all the movements. We just piece them together a little bit differently. We're still doing all the jumping jacks and the stride hops and yeah. the straddle hops. Oh, it's it's great. It's great stuff, and they've never been taught how to count. So, oh, that's yeah. Definitely. Which 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 gets into music because I've been learning how to read some music and and making a, a rather feeble attempt to use the metronome. <laughs> I must say, it's very difficult, man. But, you know, I can see now through the drumming that I've done this summer that I'm going to bring one of my drums out to um, the blacktop area where we do the calisthenics, and I'm actually going to play a beat and a rhythm for them. Because it's very rhythmical. Yeah, and, and then I'll get some kids to, once they get into that, I can give that task over to them and let them participate. And even some of the kids come out, they're they're hurt and... You know, they're there, but they can't do anything. Maybe I'll bring a drum out and, and let them drum some rhythms while we're doing our speed drills or whatever. So, I mean, I've got I've got a lot more creative ideas this year now that I've gotten through my first year of survival. You know, that's that's basically yeah, what that, I uh, said. You know. That reminds that kind of reminds me of um, the, uh, you know, when we do our, our warm ups and the, that last year program and we'll be doing our jumping jacks and the stride hops and the straddle hops and. When we first started doing it, there were some kids that once we got into the routine of it and they knew the movement, yeah, some of the kids would take it upon themselves to, like, say, if we're doing stride hops, they would add their own little salsa to it and their own little movement, spice it up. And at first, it was like, why are you doing it that way? It was like in my mind, it would drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's not how you're supposed to do it. Right, right. But they were still. They were still doing it, but in their own little rhythm and their own little style. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? Keep doing it that way then. Yeah. It's, it's, you're, you're still getting the benefit of what we're doing anyway. Mm-hmm. If you want to add a little dance move to the side of it, then go right ahead. Be my guest. Yeah. Some of these classes, I wish I could film, but I can't film them. I know. I know. I've had so many the people. privacy and stuff. I know. I've had so many it's, people ask to see my kids, and I, I would love to show you the faces of my kindergartners when they're drumming and they're so cute. Oh, my God. They're just adorable. But you know how it is in schools today, man. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, there's been many times where it's like, God, I wish I could just film these guys right now because what, what you guys are doing is so cool or, you know, how far they've come or, you know, just a, a kid being able to do a push-up yeah. who hasn't been able to do a push-up and just being able to film that and, and archive that for them even it would be awesome, but... Well, my my ultimate goal is to do a demo team for like a PTA night because that that actually comes out of classical PE because they would do parent nights where they would come in and show off. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, La Sierra they would fill the whole gymnasium and all the boys there'd be hundreds of boys in there doing their calisthenics and human pyramids and you know sport drills and things like that. It was awesome. And I talking to um, when we made the film, the motivation factor. As Doug Orcher, the filmmaker, was interviewing the alumni, one of the things that came out that they their fondest memories were going into the gym doing the they called it a sport arama, but it was basically a PE arama, you know, just doing all the yeah. PE movements. So, I think you know, I I'm, I wasn't within range of doing that last year, but this year, what I what I'd like to do is is try to you know get the kids that are really into it, and they could be of different shapes and sizes, but the kids that really want to do PE and kind of come up with some kind of demo team where we might be able yeah. to do like a public event at the fair or the PTA. And at that point, everybody's filming it, and then I can actually share it, you know? <laughs> so sure. I kind of have to yeah, sneak sure. around the issue, you know? But, you know, I, I would really like to show people um, what the kids are doing. 
And I think, for the most part, it was a pretty successful year, considering it was my first year teaching them. They they did change the culture at home. Like, a lot of them were helping their parents get out of pain. And I had parent feedback from things that I showed the kids to do for, you know, neck issues or shoulders. And they went home and they taught their parents and then their parents got out of pain, you know, and so, and that's the way I've been taught. Like you're supposed to teach somebody well enough so they can teach somebody so they can therefore teach someone else. So it has to be like three layers deep, you know, it's not just a dog and pony show where, Hey, I'm an entertainer and then you can't remember anything tomorrow. You know, I've, right. I've been oh, a ton yeah. of fitness workshops like that where, you know, the head person is like the entertainer and then they show off and, but you can't remember anything. So I, yeah. I, I, I do my best to get it simple so people can do it at home safely. Um, so, and it was fun. I, I miss my kindergartners though. They're, they're really cute. But when, I had, when, when do you, when do you guys start up again? Um, this is my last week off and then I start next week. Um, the first few days are staff development. I get my class set up and stuff and then they'll show up at the end of next week. So I got, yeah, I got a couple more weeks and then we're back in the full swing, but you know, it's a good schedule. I mean, I've, I, this is the first summer I've had off and, uh, as an adult and I, I really took advantage of it. I thought the right way I got things done around the house where I was using my hands. That's part of classical uh-huh. PE and education is hand skills. And, you know, I got into playing my drums. I went on a vacation with my parents to become more culturally advanced and aware. And I had done a lot of reading and, um, it's, it's been a good summer and I've, I've enjoyed the time to, you know, spend my leisure wisely as they would say in history to, to make things better. Well, definitely, you need that time. You definitely need that time, especially to get back and be refreshed and be ready to attack it. Yeah, because it's a hard job, as you know, man. I mean, there's there were there there were days. I I actually lost some personal fitness last year. I just I didn't have enough gas in the tank to hit it at a vigorous level myself. I put so much uh-huh. into teaching the kids. I mean, I got twelve hundred kids at my school that I see twice a week. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I still exercise every day and I, you know, I can still get on the trail and go run for an hour and not have to walk. And, um, you know, I'm not out of shape, but I'm just, I don't have a razor edge for sure. But, you know, you have to prioritize. And one of the things um, that I've learned from studying history is the seasons in your life and what they're for. And at this point at my age, I'm really, and this is a classical way of looking at it i shouldn't be competing anymore i should be teaching and mentoring you know i've done a lot of competition in my younger days and set course records and i've won a lot of stuff and it was great i wouldn't change it but at this point in my life my teaching the children is more important than me racing and getting another medal or whatever so it is what it is Amen to that i mean I, i i come from a basketball you know background competitively playing for so many years Uh uh-huh that's hard to get. That's that that competitive, win at all cost. Yeah. Um, step on your neck to win, and just you know, just that. That's hard to get rid of. It it's is still in me. It is. It's, it's still in me, but I, I've I've been able to learn how to quiet the quiet the dragon, if you will, because it it can creep up. Even in, as a teacher, sometimes you want. That's one of the biggest things that frustrates me. 
you know, and I, we're working out and we're doing our exercise, and I, I'm doing it with them. Yeah, me too. I'm, le- I'm leading from the front, and I look at some of them, and I'm like, come on, you can do better than that. Like, how could, and I have to stop myself because maybe they can't, or maybe there's a reason they're not trying. I, I have to put the competitive part of me away and be like the, a little bit more soft about it nowadays. Yeah, it, that it, was. It uh... Something that might help you is um, there was a Greek word called arete. It was A-R-E-T-E with a little asterisk on the E. And it basically translates into striving for excellence. So the, the idea, the Greek ideal, if you will, is to always reach. Always, always reach to get better. And we'll never be truly excellent because that implies perfection. And, of course, as humans, we're, we're never going to be perfect. But the idea is to keep reaching for it. So... I talked about it last year, but I didn't really talk about it enough. So this year, I'm going to really make that a center of my program, the arate, the striving for excellence, meaning you could be the last person in the group, but is that your best effort? Are you striving? Are you reaching? You know, and and everybody's reach is going to have a different length to it and height, you know, Um, and just put that back on them. and, And because that should ideally filter through your whole life it's not just about pe but let's let's finish right. the show with this um because we're talking about you know the movement quality and all this the, last week in the news the espn uh, organization put out a very disturbing article on basketball injuries in the nba and the number mm-hmm. of injuries with the young players coming in because they have sports specialized so much they've got so much wear and tear in their bodies with one sport, but without the physical literacy of how to restore the body to just good overall athleticism and natural movement. That has been expressed to me from different areas besides just basketball. I'm speaking with some people in pro baseball, and they, they have said the same thing. They see players coming into the pro baseball ranks with the same amount of wear and tear in their bodies as they used to see when the guys left in late 20s, early 30s. I just was helping a wrestling buddy of mine who came out of lineage of wrestling with his father-in-law and him and coaching, and he's been around wrestling for decades, and he said the same thing. The, the wrestlers today are all beaten up, and they're just not training well because they don't know the classical stuff. So... This is why it's so important to teach good quality movement in PE and not just play sports and games. And I really want yeah, people hard to understand to, uh, that, man. Hard for me to, like, nowadays, and we go back to the social media part of it, too, where I tie it into, too, where nowadays everybody's an expert, it seems like. Right. It, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take much to be labeled one, or you can label yourself as one, and you have all these, "Quote unquote trainers, these fitness gurus that right. are have a have a YouTube channel or Instagram following, and I watch some of these and the the stuff they're having their clients, quote unquote clients do yeah. is just it's embar- it's embarrassing. Well, it, like it throwing, le- it's throwing le- stuff around. Yeah, it's leading us into injury, and there's an incredible amount of pain. And I don't know if one of the questions I ask my students at times throughout the year is is how many people do you know at home that are in pain? And three-fourths of them will raise their hand. Like, they got adults at home that are chronically in pain. And we've talked about the medication issues with 
you know, the OxyContin and things like that. And, and, you know, I've shared with them, you know, if you, if you learn these methods, you won't, you know, you're not as likely to have to deal with that. Of course, that's a lot to get as a kid, but I say it anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, but it, it's, it's something that even as adults, it's like, just it, like I said before, it's just it's sickening to watch some of these "quote unquote" trainers. And the, the the fitness industry is just a it's a joke nowadays. It's, pr- it's with all uh, these quick fits, you know that it's, uh, get fit in thirty days, it's, get the body you want. <laughs> well, and then they do they they're doing all this overwork and it's just like six days a week of you know it's like it's not sustainable and it's a great way to get yourself hurt, like you said, and it's. You don't need all that. Yeah, you know, J.B. Nash, one of my favorite authors out of P.E. and philosophy the last century, talked about stroke-to-glide ratio. And um, there's a stroke, that's the power phase of life and movement, and then there's a glide phase, and you can even take that into walking, like there's an effort to put your leg out, but then there should be a glide phase where you're actually relaxing as you glide over your foot down on the ground. You're not overworking it. And people that don't understand that and can't do it don't have the energy reserve at the end of the day. The heart yeah. runs on about a 9 to 15 ratio, if I remember right. So 9 hours of work to 15 hours of rest. And so you know, that's pretty primal stuff if you think about it, right? So if if that's the way we're wired, then why are we pushing our kids, you know, seven days a week into a a sport program in youth that actually can have more game competition than division one sports and we wonder why there's so many kids coming out of high school that are already in chronic pain and on pain medications and then we see it manifested in pro sports so you know that's why that the classical tried and true the real stuff that works over time over generations um cross-culturally is so important to teach and that's that's why we're doing the show today and we're talking about it because i'm i'm doing my best to at least get give the kids part of that so amen yeah man hey it was great catching up with you chad and let's um let's do another show man later on in the school year and see how you're doing oh, sure. the kindergartners or the first graders you know <laughs> yeah right yeah we can do that <laughs> They're uh, they're eager beavers, man. That's a I'll, I'll say this in closing: the kindergartners are my favorites because they really, for the most part, they don't have any aversion to exercise and moving around. They're they're always happy to see me, and they it doesn't matter what I do; they're into it, you know. And some yeah. of them have bad days because of things going on at home. But if I go up the stairs, Mr. Jones is going up the stairs. If I go up the ramp, Mr. Jones is going up the ramp. You know, or I'll go down the yep. slide. They're all excited about it. And I, it's really a gift if you can give a young child like that a positive um, idea of their body's emotion. Because some of my biggest fans of PE, if you will, are the heaviest kids. And that's a good sign to me. They're, they feel good about coming out and doing stuff. And I, I, think, um, I thank my mentors and all the teachers for giving me that perspective. Because it's surely not just about sport performance. No, definitely not. Nope. All right, Chad. Hey, thanks again, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Anytime. Absolutely. You've been listening to the radio show at theleanbraves.com. Until next time, keep moving for a noble purpose. No excuses.